for half a century, WJPZ Syracuse has been the greatest media classroom on the planet. We've trained students from the 1970s to the 2020s on how to run a professional radio station. But the lessons learned and relationships formed go far beyond studios and transmitters. Taking a look back through the eyes of those who experienced it. This is WJPZ at 50. Welcome to WJPZ at 50. I am John Jagay. If you listen to any of the podcasts with the alumni from the decade of the 2010s, you've heard today's guest's name pop up a number of times as somebody who has had just a tremendous influence on many of our alumni on the radio station, did wonderful things while she was there. You may know her as Liz Doyen. She is now recently married. Congratulations. And now she is Liz Gupta. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Jack. Happy to be here. Thanks for doing this. So congratulations, first of all, on getting married. I was just looking on Facebook. You're a beautiful bride. Welcome to Married Life. Thank you very much. And you know, I couldn't do it without a few JPZ members there, at least. Who was in your wedding, real quick, from JPZ? So we had a few people invited that couldn't make it, but TJ was there. And TJ was alumni president when I was president and GM of the station. So we've remained friends since then, bonded over our love for soccer, all things sports-related, Syracuse, everything. He's such a great guy. And he mentioned you in his episode of the podcast as well, so the love is mutual there. Let's go back to the beginning, Liz. How does a girl from our shared hometown of Boston end up at Syracuse and finding the radio station? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I was fortunate enough in high school to start a high school online newspaper called WSPN. No relation to ESPN. It didn't mean sports. <laughs> Whale and Student Press Network. And uh, we started doing really well, got some awards from uh, Columbia. I really got into it, was really enjoying journalism. Always knew I wanted to be a lawyer in the back of my mind. Uh, But everyone had kind of told me writing was so important. I love talking to people. I like to get to know people's stories. Journalism was just it for me. I loved it. And that, of course, led me to look at Syracuse uh, for obvious reasons Even though my oldest brother went there, I'm the youngest Mm -hmm. of four. He graduated class of 2006, uh, conveniently enough, same year as TJ. Yeah. Um, So they do have some mutual friends. But being that I was always kind of the one who wanted to be different in my family, I was like, no way I'm going to Syracuse. My oldest brother (laughs) went here. That's crazy. I can't go to the same place. I got to be different. But, you know, we took that campus tour and something just clicked. You know, it was... I knew I wanted to go to Newhouse anyways, but just getting on that campus, seeing the quad again, seeing the dome, it just all came back. And I just thought, this is where I need to be. This is home. And how did you find the radio station when you got there, Liz? So I was in Newhouse looking around for some things to do. And, uh, you know, growing up, I had an Uncle Dave who told me that I had the face for radio. In the most loving (laughs) way possible. Of course. Yeah, we've all gotten that. I've also gotten voice for newspaper, by the way. Yeah. Oh, I've heard that one, too. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I was looking at Citrus, AER, ERW. I know I didn't really want to do something without structure. I'm I'm kind of a structured person. Uh, So looking around, looked at Citrus, JPZ, and I figured I didn't want to compete with the pretty people on TV. (laughs) And uh, I just I got lucky. I just stumbled upon JPZ. I got trained by Matt D'Angelo-Antonio, who was very committed, very talented, uh, and continues to work in the news industry and everything today. And I just fell in love, really. It was the people. It was just the vibe in the station. I got kind of adopted early on by Veronica Ripson, and hmm. she just became like a mentor for me. And 
yeah, I don't know. It was just the feel of the station, if that makes sense. You go in and there's just something about it. So you get trained, you're at the station. How did you kind of rise through the ranks and eventually want to become general manager? If you told me when I joined the station that was going to happen, I would have laughed at you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For those who know me well know that I tend to take on way more than any human probably should. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, I was a freshman. I got into a morning show uh, with Naftali Rivera. I really enjoyed that. I mean, you have to enjoy it to get up at 5 a.m. in the morning Oh yeah, as a college kid, you know, yeah, come yeah. To stumble down from the, the mount in the snow and the rain, whatever it is, you're there. It's funny. I'm not sure I could pinpoint what happened or how it happened, but I loved the morning shows. I got onto exec staff second semester of my freshman year as morning show director, I believe. Okay. Immediately reached out to... Peterman and Marty Dundix. Yeah. <laughs> and I believe yourself as well. Sounds right. Uh, when I became morning show director, because I was looking for some advice, trying to figure out how to train people. And I had done very little mornings in my career at that point. I'm not sure why you would have called me, but I appreciate it. It was definitely because we connected at that banquet, my first banquet freshman year. Probably talking Boston sports. We immediately had that Boston sports connection. Right. So got into the morning show stuff, was really into that. Next year, sophomore year, Craig was looking for a GP president. There wasn't kind of someone who was vying for it, and I was kind of naturally moving my way up. And Alex Brewer said, you know what, why not Liz Doyen? And that was it. (laughs) To be GM. Yeah. Wow. I was just super involved in the station. I had been morning show director. I was there all the time. I, (laughs) I, I tend to be someone who wants to step up and, like I said, take on more than I should. So I think I I heard President GM and I thought, wow, that's incredible. I want to do that. This is so cool. Like I said, after that first banquet, I just, that solidified everything for me. It's funny to hear you talk and tell these stories and just the parallels between so many other uh, people we've talked to on the podcast. Many people did a high school newspaper or a high school radio station. You did the high school online newsletter, which um, reveals your age compared to some of the other alumni, but I'll leave that one alone. But getting and falling in love with the station, falling in love with the culture, what can I do? How can I get more involved? As you came up and became GM, Liz, is there anything that the station did that specifically sticks out to you in memory that you're proud of? Yeah, absolutely. So my... President GM year was probably most uh, well known for the rebuild, the station rebuild. Mm -hmm. While I was GM, I had a station for only a few months, frankly, because within a few months we got shut down. We were starting, it was called Project Media Expand, and we were working with Citrus TV, Syracuse University, Working on blueprints, which I never would have expected to do as a 19-year-old at a radio station in college. You know, that was that's a crazy experience. But yeah, so probably what stands out to me is that. And frankly, I had a meeting with Alex Silverman with the chancellor of Syracuse University. I believe I've heard some other people talk about the finances of JPZ throughout the years. Mm -hmm. And my years were student association funded. Yeah. And We needed money to make a new radio station, (laughs) to literally renovate the building, buy new boards, buy new material. I mean, gosh, we went from one studio, one recording studio to three. You know, we had a lot to get first. So we, Alex Silverman and I, and, you know, Tex was involved as well. We got together, figured out our plan, um, made a meeting with the chancellor and effectively convinced her to give us a 
interest-free loan for nearly a million dollars. Wow. Um, and I will just never forget, because I was 20, I went into her office with Alex Silverman. We're dressed up. I'm nervous. I don't know what to say. And Alex is just a great advocate for our station, has yes. always been, will always be. And yeah, I'll just never forget. She said yes, which I don't know if that's because she was on her way out or she was, <laughs> we really were convincing. Let's go with that. Yeah, exactly. She said yes. She gave us a million dollars, essentially, with the plan of paying the Student Association back over these years. And I have to ask, I actually don't know if we've paid it back yet, but... By the way, for those of you listening, she did use air quotes when she said paying the Student Association back for those on the podcast, just so you know. Well, I mean, you're literally taking money from the university, not paying it back with interest, so... I would just like to assume that we, in the previous... 10 or so years, we've paid that money back through tuition of all the students that have come through there with the tuition hikes. I'm going to assume it's paid back that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I will also never forget right after we had gotten that money, Alex and I were so excited. Uh, we went over to Fagan's for a beer and uh, that wasn't my first beer in Fagan's pre-21. So <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. So when you said you had a radio station for only a few months, you had the old station and then it moved temporarily to Newhouse while you were GM. Do I have that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, it, to some sort of degree. A lot of the rebuild started over the summer, kind of the end of that spring semester. And as we were going into the summer, we had planned that everything was going to be done by the first week of September. Mm-hmm. You know, but as construction goes, it never <laughs> runs on time. Right. So, you know, I'm, gosh, that summer I was, actually I was working in New York City with a bunch of JPZers uh, for the London Olympics. Mm -hmm. We were interns at NBC Universal at 30 Rock. And that summer was really interesting. We also had an issue. We had a legal issue going on. We were having the station rebuild. Everything was just in my opinion, it felt like everything was just crumbling. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to ruin this. We're going to lose the station. It's going to be a mess. Oh, gosh. I think the biggest stress coming back into the fall semester was we don't have a station. We don't have a studio. What do we do? Um, I was fortunate enough at the time that my VP was Rashad Thomas. Mm -hmm. And he was quite familiar with pre-recording shows. And I believe that this has been talked about on the podcast before, the kind of controversy of pre-recording shows. Sure. And we were able to work with WAER and Newhouse and get us some recording studio time, some space. Newhouse was, of course, you know, very welcoming and very helpful for, for us, especially as we kind of pushed to remind them that we are the greatest media classroom <laughs> and, and that they need us as well. So, yes, we had everyone going in to pre-record their shows. It was really difficult because we didn't know when we were getting a studio back. We didn't really have a recruiting tactic because right. how do you recruit people to a radio station when you don't have a station? Yeah. And training was really difficult. So credit to all the staff at that time for keeping it going, keeping it moving, getting into the studio, pre-recording. And frankly, I mean, pre-recording radio uh, morning shows, I pre-recorded wow. with Rashad and it was fun, but it's just not the same. Right. Uh, it's really not sitting in the studio in the morning, having that experience, talking to callers. It, you really lose a lot, in my opinion. And I think we did all right. We made it through. When did you get into the new studio? 
Gosh, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> That's so. <laughs> like I said, we were supposed to get in somewheres around end of August, early September. That just kept on moving back all the way to the end of December mm. to the point where I was going abroad in January. Uh, so a little sad because I literally helped build the station and then moved across the pond. Yeah. But yeah, that December, after all the students had left, we were finally able to get into the studio. It was not done yet. We were literally fighting with these contractors, uh, carpenters, everything, just to get in there and get some stuff done. We got techs up there. We had Rob Crandall and we had Alex Silverman and Corey Crockett, the incoming president and GM, was there as well. And we took, I'm not sure how many days it was, four or five days together before Christmas, brought everything into the station. I remember we had to have had at least a hundred boxes of different equipment and whatnot <laughs> that we had picked up from Student Association, driven it up the hill, unboxed it. We even put together, you know, we, we <laughs> Alex Silverman and I were screwing through tables to get all of our computers set up and everything. It was pretty insane. I mean, it was a marathon. We were in there among the the sawdust, if you will. <laughs> um, and I got to watch, you know, these three guys put together our two racks, put together the AV room, and that was just an incredible experience to watch. And not something I think a lot of people can say, that I got to watch three very professional people put together a radio station. And I'm not going to say that I was the one there putting it together. because I'm sure you had more than a hand <laughs> in it working with those guys. I, I maybe. <laughs> So, so then you're no longer GM because you're going abroad and you're kind of watching the thing uh, come back together. And I got to imagine the folk, Corey and the folks after you having to recruit almost from scratch because everybody was in, tracked in the studios. And Corey talked about this on his episode of the podcast, too. I mean, I'm sure you're keeping tabs on what's going on from five, six hours ahead. I was. That was the saddest banquet for me, I'll admit, too. But uh, I was. And it, admittedly, it did suck. I, we made this brand new station. We got on the air. I know there's still a video on Facebook of when we got back on the air because we did take the radio station off air for a little while in order to do the rebuild. So when we came back on air, oh gosh, Tex played a good song from the 80s, I do believe, or early 90s. I'm blanking on it right now, but it will come to me. <laughs> um, we do actually have the YouTube link if you missed it in Corey Crockett's episode of the podcast. It's linked in the show notes here. So we got the station back online and I essentially went home to Boston, you know, outside of Boston the next day. And, you know, I never got to get on the station and on air. Because that was your second semester senior year you were abroad. No, no, that was junior year. So I was GM my, I guess, spring semester of sophomore year and fall semester of junior year. Okay, so you got to, uh, d delayed gratification because you came back from being abroad and got to see it then, right? I did. I got back from being abroad. I got in uh, to the exec role of VP of Ops, mostly because I was such good friends with Tex, and I knew that even if I didn't know how to fix it, I could speed dial him. <laughs> <laughs> That's true of many alumni over the years, indeed, yep. Absolutely. So, yeah, I got to come back. I was definitely a bit rusty, <laughs> and... Uh, I think Dina has said before she loves the radio station, loved what she did with it, but she wasn't a radio person in the same way that a lot of our alumni are that, you know, and that, that I relate to that. I haven't stuck with radio, of course. I, I wish I could. <laughs> but, you know, we have such talented alumni. I wouldn't count myself among those. 
So getting back on air was a little rusty, but at the end of the day, so much fun to just be in that brand new studio. I mean, this studio was nicer than arguably probably 93Q at the time and arguably many radio stations around the U.S. And this was a college radio station. Uh, nicer than any station I've been in probably for sure. I Yeah. Right. Um, it's WJPZ. At 50. Hey, it's Jag. You're probably listening to this episode of the podcast because you know the person I'm interviewing. But one of the true joys of this project has been learning the stories of everyone in the WJPZ family. When you're done with this podcast, I'd encourage you to check out an episode with someone you don't know. You never know what you might have in common with your other WJPZ relatives. Looking back at half a century of broadcast excellence... This is WJPZ at 50. All right, so you mentioned not getting into radio professionally. Uh, From Syracuse, you went to law school and take me through your adventures since graduation. Yeah, so uh, since Syracuse, I worked for a year at the Middlesex District Attorney's Office, which is a, you know, kind of famous district around here for us in Massachusetts. John Kerry worked there, Martha Coakley. Uh, And I got to work as a victim witness advocate, and I was working with victims of domestic violence and child abuse, which was, you know, a really rewarding time. But I knew I was using it to go to law school. It was a difficult job, I will say, emotionally. And can't imagine, Liz. Oof. Absolutely. And but it helped me get into law school. I ended up at uh, Wash U out in St. Louis. Three years of law school. Was so convinced I was going to leave and never come back to the East Coast. But uh, something about Missouri just sparked me back. (laughs) I got a job. (laughs) Has anybody here watched Ozark? Oh, sorry, kidding. (laughs) Uh, And let me tell you, pretty realistic. Okay. (laughs) Been to the Ozarks a few times. (laughs) But no, I I had my first summer job was in Boston at the National Consumer Law Center. I get to work on some class actions of subprime mortgages out of Detroit, actually, during the housing crisis. Okay. Sort of what led up to the housing crisis. And I just, I was in Boston that summer and I just went, yep, this is home, you know? Yeah. That was it. I ended up back at a firm in Boston. I was there for four years and I've recently switched to a regional firm out of Hartford, Connecticut. But I'm still up here in Boston. This is still home. Found my spouse not long after graduating law school. And here we are. Now we have a a nice family. We got a cat, a dog and a condo. (laughs) There you go. And your husband is also a Bostonian? He is. He he was originally born in India, but he moved here when he was eight and uh, grew up not far away from where I grew up and also went to college in upstate New York. So we have lots of similarities and things to make fun of each other for. <laughs> love it. Love it. Liz, you talked about a lot of stuff that you went through as GM of the radio station. What lessons do you feel you took from that that you've been able to apply in your time since? Absolutely. I have grown up a lot since that time. I will say that. I, I think even, we all feel that was... way. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I was even when I was prepping for this, I was going through my email, uh, some of the JPC emails I have just sent out to exec staff and stuff. And I just kind of laugh at myself because (laughs) I appreciate anyone who was willing to work with me back then because I was still figuring it out. I'll say that. (laughs) I saw a few like, I am not your mother emails, you know, about people cleaning up stuff at the station. Oh, my God. Clean up after yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, what? Oh, gosh, I learned plenty, I would say. But. Just even going through the construction meetings with Alex Silverman, talking to the lead contractor, Carmen Lupino, trying to get all this stuff done when, frankly, it's very high stress, high emotions, 
because we were angry. We were angry that we didn't have our studio yet. We were angry that they told us August, September, October, November, then finally December. And and I can tell you in December that, yeah, they weren't ready for us yet. But Tex and I were just like, too bad, we're coming. (laughs) It's time to finish. So I think, frankly, what I learned from that really was just composure and how to kind of react and interact in those difficult meetings. Uh, I know that Alex was with me on South Campus at a meeting with a bunch of construction guys. It was literally, it had to have been 10 men in the room and me. Hmm. And Alex, to his credit, again, was pushing them, being like, why is this not done? How do we get here? What do we do? And I think I learned a lot from him in that moment, really. Um, Just how to handle yourself as a professional, composure, even when you are angry and receiving, quote, nasty grams. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which you'll get. (laughs) from people you're working with, you know, how to handle yourself, how to approach things. I think being in radio just gifts you so much when it comes to everyday life, really. I mean, being able to talk and entertain people on air when they can't see you is just such a skill. And I think that you can bring that into networking. You can bring it into life. Not many people can do that, frankly. Not many people can paint a picture with just their words. And those who can they're epic and and you want to listen to them, you know? So we have many of these people who are alumni and here I am. I'm listening to the JPZ podcast because I want to listen to you guys. Any other names that come to mind that you haven't mentioned yet, Liz, of just relationships, whether they were in school with you or older or younger than you that you've maintained over the years? Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely one of those weird ones that um, the majority of my Maybe not weird ones, but the majority of my friends and classmates from Syracuse that I'm still in touch with this to this day did not actually physically go to Syracuse the same years as me. Matt Friedman certainly comes to mind. Sure. Such a great guy. He actually was inducted into the Hall of Fame when I was president and GM. Okay. And we got close at the time because I was an RA, so I was big on making bulletins. (laughs) And we had a bulletin board in the station. With the banquet coming up, I wanted to put all of the Hall of Fame inductees up and their information, who they were, where they're from, what do they do now? Because, you know, the banquet for a lot of people is networking or whatever. It wasn't really for me because I knew that's not where I was headed, but Mm -hmm. which frankly took a lot of pressure off me. I think I got to make friends with people rather than worry about all of that other stuff. But Friedman, I had posted a picture of it on Twitter. He loved it instantly. Um, we got close that year. He was also invited to the wedding. Unfortunately, couldn't make it because he was celebrating his own 25th anniversary. But boy, I mean, talk about crossing generations at that point. Right. He's celebrating his 25 year wedding anniversary, the year you're getting married and you're great friends. I love this is what's so great about the Alumni Association. Right. Absolutely. I really do. I mean, yeah, I said Rob Crandall, Alex Silverman, Stephen Kurtz, Tex, of course, um, Corey Crockett. What a genuinely wonderful guy. Really, um, yeah. So happy that I could leave the station in his hands when I went abroad because I didn't have to worry. You know, local guy. He knew what he was doing. Sounded great on air. So passionate about the station and the city of Syracuse itself. So definitely, yeah, Corey as well, and Rashad Thomas. I know I mentioned him. Um, now I'm trying to think. Of course, you, Jag. <laughs> I was waiting for that one. No, I'm kidding. Um, We've, well, hey, still one of my best memories. I want to say maybe it was freshman year sitting in my dorm room for whatever reason up super late watching the Red Sox. And you're the only other one up watching it. And I, I think we were texting or messaging or something about the Sox. 
you know, like you said, you graduated from college. I'm a freshman in college. Here we are connected through the station. We met one time in person at banquet and just clicked. Yeah. And that certainly is the power of the Alumni Association. My last question for you, Liz, tell me a funny story that sticks with you all these years later. Right. So this really wasn't that long ago, but I will forever, I think, harp on Larry Rocket Ross for this. We were at banquet, pre-partying, whatever you want to call it, having some beers. And a bunch of us all like to bring beers from our local hometown, let everyone else try it. He's giving me this beer from Rochester, and I'm looking at it. Oh, wow, established in uh, 1991. And I'm like, hey, same year as me. <laughs> and he goes, get out. <laughs> he doesn't want to hear it. He's like, what are you talking about? 1991? You shouldn't be here. That was like the year that he would have graduated, roughly. So that's right. probably you. You hit him right in the feels with that one. Yeah, he was not pleased, but I plan on doing it again next time I pick up a beer. Oh, what year is this one, Rocket? <laughs> Well, Liz, I think it's a credit to you as a person and as a professional that you've got so many great alumni that are older than you saying a lot of things about you. And throughout the podcast, you've had so many of your classmates sing your praises and how what a great leader you were of the radio station. So we really appreciate everything you've done as a student and as an alum and for coming on the podcast today. Thanks so much. Thank you. And you too, Jag. Really, I love that you're making this. This is going to be around forever. We have living history here. Uh, and frankly, I can't wait to make my kids listen to it. There you go. <laughs> Take care, Liz. Thanks, Jag. The WJPZ at 50 podcast is created entirely by the staff and alumni of the world's greatest media classroom. It's hosted by John Jag Gay, class of 2002. Editing help from James Bames Grundy III, class of 2020. Imaging by Maureen Cooper, class of 1999. And Ed Lacombe, class of 1985. Podcast artwork by Marty Dundix, class of 2001. Follow WJPZ at 50 on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you're listening right now.